Hello, I am Brian Foster, and today I'm talking about Spiritism. And today we're going through the book, Through the Mist, Chapter 6. This is the third live stream on Chapter 6. So this will be the last live stream on Chapter 6. I will uh, complete it today. It's called A Magnetic Chorale. Before I begin, let's have a prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for all the help and guidance you've given us through the eons when we were but sparks of logic to primitive spirits to where we are now. Thank you for all your ministers and guardian angels and high spirits who've, who've helped us and assisted us and given us inspirations to evolve and grow and take out our primitive emotions and replace those with our advanced civilized emotions of love, charity, and fraternity. Again, thank you and God and all the heavenly angels around the earth in helping our quest to become a perfect spirit. Amen. So, before I begin, again, for people who are interested in Spiritism, I suggest you read my uh, free PDF, Spiritism 101, The Third Revelation. Sorry, I can't speak. Um, it, you may want to read that first, or you may want to read second. It depends. The... The main book, the the Spirits book by Alan, uh, codified by Alan Kardec, written in the 1850s, based on a thousand and nineteen questions. He asked multiple mediums throughout Europe. That is the headwaters of Spiritism. That is the third revelation. That is the, as promised to us by Jesus in the New Testament. I will, I will reveal more to you through the Spirit of Truth. To paraphrase, but you can go to my blog site nwspiritism.com you can look down the right hand navigation and you can see spiritism 101 the third revelation it's in pdf also if you'd rather have it it's in paperback audible and in kindle format in kindle i think it's 99 cents so that would kind of that would give you a good overview and then i would read the spirits book and then other other spiritist writings and i have a lot of my own spiritist books on the right hand navigation bar but that's how i would begin because of course it's all up to you and what you're inspired to do okay let's start now this is a chapter six and this is he has been fred who's the spirit he's actually asked me to be remain nameless but then and some people use this name and it got into the psychograph it said fred so i figured the spirit is called fred he was a wonderful nice man who who uh had kind of a hard childhood uh he's not much of a loving family but he was a well-off family and he kind of on his own he went through the london slums and tried to help who he could he died when he tried to rescue a boy that was sitting in the middle of a very crowded street with uh horses and carriage going by and he and the boy woke up on a grassy knoll in heaven never felt pain didn't feel crushed none of that they just woke up so he's been going through and he went he went to he finally in this chapter he's at kind of a sanitarium where it's a rest stop for people who have died and they can rest and kind of get their bearings and hey now they're a spirit and he had seen he went through this wonderful concert where people were helped and people were kind of brought in and half asleep or in bad situations because their mind still told them that they were in uh, in pain or 
uh, are, you know, appeared strange, all those things. And they were trying to put magnetic passes. And there was this wonderful man that kind of helped guide, guide each one of them. And that's what he went through. Now, we'll get to the part where, where he's saying, well, you know, it, it, where he's trying to say where some of these people have done done things is, you know, where's the forgiveness? So let's let's carry on because this is this is a key that many people ask me about, and this is this is important to understand. The restriction binding these friends have been worn in violence to their better judgment. Though these are the people that were brought. They were brought up from the lower zones, which is from the the beginning of heaven to the crusty of the earth, and probably also maybe the dark abyss, where it's heaven below the crusty of the earth. And they were in very bad shape, but they, in their minds, they they had cried out for help, and now they were they were brought there. And now he's saying, you know, why did they have to go through such, you know, hassle and torture? Well, now, now he's asking. Now, now he's being answered. The restrictions binding these friends have been worn in violence to their better judgment, but lacking power to conquer the forces opposed to them. They become victim of circumstances and have passed their lives in an irksome bondage. Being dominated by wills and usages, they could not successfully resist. So he's saying that these poor souls who are in the lower zones and below, there are other people who are more dominant in their wills. These are criminals. These are very materialistic people. They could be people next door who just have a will for uh, not being nice, right? Just want, just want to dominate people. These are people who will not go to heaven. These are people who will go down into the lower zones and a purgatory. The dark abyss is a purgatory. There's no eternal hell. And they will be used as slaves and workers or whatever they want to use. And so these people that they're rescuing, he's saying, well, some of them are down there and they've been used badly, but that was part of their process to get, to get, to get them to understand that they don't want to be with people like that. How does the spirit world fight evil? They use evil to fight evil. There's no one all good or all evil. There's always a mixture. And that's what they say. And then that's why they use those people down in there. These people are like, okay, I know this is not the way I want to live. Okay, let me continue. If they had given a ready consent to custom and dogma, following with unquestioning faith where others led, and had been content to crush the right to think, they would have developed the required littleness of soul without necessity to apply restraint. But they recognized the God within and refused to still call the voice to still the voice calling them to newer, nobler, higher duties for the welfare of their kind. Their prophetic utterances were dangerous to a craft, hence the gag must be applied. Their eyes saw the visions of coming glory for the wary and oppressed. Therefore their sight must be distorted, lest the interest of a class be endangered. The intelligent vigor of the child proclaimed a leader in the man, and church and dogma forced letters to cripple his power and forced the noble stature of the giant into contortions of the dwarf. You can see it was a battle to the death. Noble lives have been hindered from work wasted, yea, worse. For whereas they were ordained for construction and deliverance, being forcibly tampered with, they have been perverted by party bigotry and compelled to struggle for existence instead of scattering the blessings they were designed to carry to their fellows. The result is to be seen in the wrecks which lie before us. Wasted opportunities, wasted intellects, wasted lives. For all these things, 
Those who are responsible must be brought to justice. Guilt must be righteously punished, while the excess of pain which the victim has endured must receive its legitimate compensation. With the punishment, we have nothing to do. The natural law of this life is fully adequate to that, and every guilty soul will reap the just harvest of the seed he has sown. And, of course, that is the whole process of reincarnation of karma. Every, every wrong, every action has a reaction. Every wrong must be atoned for. And this is one of the things, and people, people who would, as they want to improve, will demand that they atone for the wrongs. You know, you, so, and so many people are into this, this where if you just repent just before you die, you're forgiven. And the answer is, yes, you're always forgiven. You're always loved by the spirit world. But the question is, if you repent at the last minute, have you learned? Do you really repent? Have you learned at the bottom of your heart that you don't want to do that again, that you don't want to take advantage of others, you don't want to dominate others unfairly? Have you really learned or are you just saying that to, to uh, escape what you deem or think may be a possible bad place to be in, a possible punishment? The spirit world... When you have primitive emotions and, and things that must be fixed in your character and your personality, we'll, we'll want to make sure that they are fixed in the foundation, that they must be completely burned out of your personality and replaced with higher emotions. And where is that done the most efficiently? On Earth. That is where we are just completely naked to stimuli hitting us trials and tribulations that come and and take care of taking out those primitive emotions. So yes, you're always forgiven. You're always loved. It doesn't stop you from having a tough time in the spirit world if you don't cannot get to heaven. And it doesn't stop you from having some tough and difficult trials in your next life. Okay. With the punishment, we have nothing. Okay, I did that. It is that we may take part in compensation that we are here. Justice demands an instant liberation shall be given from those bonds, and life must be lavished upon the sufferers until we have helped to build up and invigorate their souls. These are people just from the lower zones. Then each one shall reach the full development for which it was designed and for which it wept and struggled, but was prevented by action of oppressors. So these are people who are going through additional trials after they had died and been in and they they tried to believe the right things but they never did they went along with the group and therefore they were really oppressed and and they were they were in a horrible situation down in the lower zone but now they're back up and, and rescued and they want to and they want to get them you know better again and then he then fred asked but where do we find mercy and forgiveness in the administration of such inexorable justice? Mercy and forgiveness. So this is the key. The answer is every attribute of God has its legitimate sphere of operation. And the invalid maintenance of each in its appointed order is essential to the continuance of the almighty and all-wise perfection of our Father. But it is impossible for any one of these to upsert the jurisdiction of another. Suppose for a moment that mercy was allowed to withstand justice and prevail in any single instance. The immediate result would be an injustice. 
since to show mercy to the offender would be an injustice to the offended, unless in turn you show him mercy too. Carry this to its logical sequence, and you will be compelled to abolish justice in favor of mercy, in which case punishment and retribution would become an impossibility. Law would be a dead letter, and sin, freed from fear or restraint, would revel in its license. But when we see the working of the attributes of God according to his divinely appointed plan, we find how infinitely wise had been the adaptation to the necessities of the human family in its development. So what, what is he saying? He's saying that without consequences, without reactions to your actions, no one will learn. You will be like a three or four year old or parents that never that never direct and never try to to civilize the child you'll have an unruly child that no one likes no one wants to be around and does whatever it wants to the same would happen to us as spirits we would be you know no one would stand us no one would want to be around us we would just do whatever we want and we say oh forgive me have mercy and you know now in your in probably individuals' case, you say, "Well, I wouldn't do that. You know, I'd do something wrong. I'd ask for mercy, but I would not just use that as an excuse." And for many, no, but for others, yes, and they would use it over and over and over again. And this is where we have to recognize the genius, the perfect process of how we are are molded and led to be a perfect spirit because that's why we're here right we're, we're our goal on earth is to learn and someday become a pure spirit a perfect spirit and an example of a, of a pure spirit is jesus christ think about the genius of this you start low and you go through life after life and you keep learning and you're given free will you, you can relearn the same lesson over each time you're in life. You may take advantage of people, become a dictator, kill whoever you want to kill. Well, next life we're going to make even the trials. We're going to we're going to have you killed so you can see what it feels like. Are you? We're going to have you be a slave so you can see what it feels like. Or we're going to have you be unfairly punishments punished so you can see what it feels like. Eventually, as stubborn as this person is, they'll get the message. Now, I know myself, I've been a serial offender of taking advantage when I was in charge. It took me a long time. I don't know how I learned. I don't know the details of what happened. I know I, I know I wasn't good. But eventually, and this is why when people say, well, how can I improve? I don't know my past lives. You don't have to. Spirit world's smart. They'll know what stimuli to use. So something will happen to you and you'll go to yourself, oh God, that was horrible. I'd never do that to somebody. I feel what's, what that feels like. I know what that feels like and I'd never do that to anybody else. And then it becomes part of you, part of your character and your personality. And it becomes part of your instinct not to do that. And what's carried over into our next life? Two things, our conscience, the set of divine laws and our instinct. So think about that. This is why, no, you're not, you know, yes, you are forgiven, but you still have to learn and take those, those character, those 
bad characterizations of you, those bad, those bad habits that say, bad character flaws, you have to get rid of them. And you can call it punishment. It's not. It's really for your edification. But you could call it that. If you don't want to learn, man, then you could, you could call it punishment. But it's it, nothing bad happens to you because the spirit world wants you to be in pain and wants to just to, to make you go, oh, that hurt. No, there. this is all for your edification. And if you're in a trial where you're like, oh, my God, this has been a hard life. Well, when the spirit world sees you have a character flaw, they try and do a very subtle lesson for you. And if you don't learn, they'll do a more outward lesson. And then a, a more and more just in-your-face lesson. So if you've had some really tough trials, that means you have been a very stubborn person and not learned what you needed to learn. So now in this life, when something happens to you, analyze and say, okay, that's the character flaw they're trying to, they're trying to fix. I will be better. I will implant that deep within me. And that's... That's the perfect process to create perfect people with free will. You're not telling them, if you're not good, we're going to put you in prison and we're going to torture you. And they go, I'll be good. Now, would they be good because they want to be good? Or would they be good because they afraid if they're not, they will have pain? That's not what the spirit world wants. They want you to be good into the bottom of your soul. And we will learn that in life after life. And as we learn that every action has a reaction and we'll understand what goodness and service and love really is. It takes a long time. You're not going to be a saint in one life. It's going to take lots of lives. But, and, but this is the genius. And... As the spirit world is creating these wonderful people, it, it, it's a tough, it's, you know, it's a tough obstacle course. It gets better as you go higher and higher planets. But they're also keeping unique personalities. If God wanted everybody perfectly good, he could cookie cutter. You'd be like worker ants. You wouldn't be unique. God wants unique personalities. Think about that. Think think how it just impossibly genius this whole system of karma, reincarnation, multiple lives, different levels of planets. And then in the, the reincarnation goes with, and karma works with the spirit world actually planning out all these little details of our lives. This is why, you know, we just have to look at amazement and say, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for making me a better person. Although sometimes I don't like the way I have to be made a better person. But I do know that that was my decision. Okay, let me uh, carry on. Take to those which you have referred mercy, justice, and forgiveness. Mercy operates on the earth, where patience, forbearance, and long-suffering are so much needed during the early stages of the conscious existence of the soul. Imagine the catastrophe and disaster which would ensure if unerring justice was enthroned at such a crisis in life's history. Would there be any subsequent immortality to record? Unconscious, practically of his whence and whither, an untutored experimentalist as to his power and capabilities, failure and mistake, 
the law by which he shall develop and learn to understand himself, uncertain if it be right to gratify even the, the most ardent of his longings. Filled with fear and trembling at the forces surrounding him, a volume of nature before him, of nature whose hieroglyphics he is ignorant through called upon to read. Himself the most profound mystery among the million other problems. Under such circumstances, how often would the earth be swept clear of man if justice was applied to every transgression of the law? That justice was as perfect as its framer. No. So he's saying, if you had perfect justice and every transgression was done, there'd be nobody left. So there is, on the physical planet, there's need for mercy. No, this attribute cannot be applied to such an undeveloped condition. What man can be found wild enough to imagine that it is. It is not rather the absence of justice so manifest as to be used for an argument against the existence of a god. While it has become a proverb among the nations that villainy is the heir to fortune, but honesty marries miss. <laughs> I hadn't heard that one. Oppression, tyranny, and persecution are rampant. That might is right is the universal model practically of both politics and religion. The affluent and wealthy are the honored of the nations, the poor and the needy, the cursed and the bane. Is this right? You will ask me, and I reply a thousand times no. But even the injustice of man is not strong enough to cause God to change the action of his attributes and substitute justice for mercy upon the earth. So, what he doesn't say, and maybe he says it later, uh, later is those who are the corrupt politicians and the, the rich businessman who steals our money and takes advantage of his or her employees. Karma will take care of them. You don't need to worry about them. That rich politician, corrupt politician, will, will be at the bottom of the barrel next time. And whatever he makes will probably be stolen and plundered by other politicians. That rich person taking advantage of his employees, that person will be in that small little cubicle and, or, that's, or that, you know, horrible condition, working conditions. Maybe not on this earth, maybe on a different planet. It will all come back to them. This is the cycle of karma and reincarnation. Okay, I'll carry on. This universal custom is wrong and man has gained enough knowledge to know that it is so. But God is long-suffering, and that the oppressors may be able to redeem himself before he's brought into judgment. Mercy pleads while hope of restitution remains. But once let the law take hold of the offender, and the issue passes from the court of mercy to justice. The mist marking the boundary line between that state and this also form the vestibule of the hall of judgment, and every soul must pass through and receive its righteous verdict before it enters here. Mercy has no power to cross that. That threshold, the soul stands alone before that inscrutable tribunal to its own witness, its own judge. Hence, its life deeds pass the sentence from which no appeal is possible. What are they saying? They're saying that in your lifetime, you can do things and then you can try to re, re, you know, repent and, and, and restitute and help people that you've hurt in the past. But once you pass that, that physical boundary and you're out of, out of the physical world and you're back in the spirit world, then, it, then you're going to be analyzed. Then the score is marked. It's the end of the game. 
if you add up the score, you add up the debits and credits, however you want to say it, that episode of being on Earth for a very short time in, 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 the, in the perception of the spirit world. Okay, let's see what you did. Let's see the good things you did. Let's see the bad things you did. And let's review those. And as spirits have told us time and time again, the most harsh judge, and he says its own judge, is yourself. When you go, oh, I can't believe I did that, right? And I, I'm, I'm just frightened of all the things I'm going to say. Like, oh, I can't believe I did because I know things I just really wish I hadn't done in my younger age. I was not nice in many situations. So I, I'm just going to have to encounter that, right? And we all will. So that's when you, you can say, well, mercy's, the mercy part stopped. Now it's the part to analyze actually what occurred, the events that occurred. Now, what I've seen in when you have these life reviews, and there's always little differences, but the other people in the life review will usually, if you're a, you know, a nice person, they'll do the opposite if you're a, you know, a person that always takes no accountability. But if you're a person that takes accountability and go, why did I do that? They will then say, nah, you're just learning. Don't be so hard on yourself. Now, the opposite of that is a life review of a real criminal and say, no, I'm, I'm completely innocent. And I go, okay, let's bring up, let's bring up this uh, episode. Is, you know, were you nice there? Did you not steal there? And they'll be confronted if, if that person even is given a life review. Sometimes they're not. And sometimes you're just sent right, right where they need to be sent by the law of affinity. Then uh, the spirit asks, well, forgiveness, what of that? So this is forgiveness. That follows later. The penalties enforced by that justice are for wrongs committed against your fellow man, such as sins must be redeemed. They are never forgiven. For no one, not even God, has the power to forgive a trespass against any other than himself, such being contrary to his own law. When the penalty for sins against his fellow has been righteously discharged, then the repentant soul has the power to ask forgiveness for his sin against God, which is always freely granted. But it is requisite that he first be reconciled to his brother, for only he that clean hands and a pure heart can ascend to the presence of God, where Christ will secure his full remission. So essentially... You have to pay, pay for that, right? You have to, you have to convince yourself that I will never do that again, right? And it doesn't mean you have to pay back someone, you know, the horse you stole. No, it has, you have to know that I'm never going to steal again. And then, and you know that you've done, it, and 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 then you say, okay, I'm I'm a better person, you know. And I forgive myself, and then God forgives you too. Uh, and here's a comment. I thought it's a good comment. This, uh, the, the comment is, the more I learn of spiritism, the more sense it makes. The hell, fire, and damnation fundamental Christianity I was raised in talked love, but promoted fear. And I think that that's a lot of wisdom and, and uh 
uh, what two short sentences and and that's and that's what and then then if i carry on with that is that but you can do as many bad things as you want and then just ask your priest or reverend for uh you know for forgiveness just before you die and everything's fine right how does that help a person improve i, I do not know that, that and so um so so everything in here is all about the process of improving it's not the process of torturing us while we're on earth just because it's funny right and it gives gleefulness to some high spirit dictator no that that's not true our guardian spirits our guardian angels jesus they they're sad when we fail they don't like us failing they like us succeeding they want victory they want moral victory and spiritual victory but they also know just like we let our kids make mistakes because we know sometimes making mistakes the best thing you can do because then you really learn that and this is how the whole process works there's no there's no eternal damnation there's there's no there's no like never there's no like end of the road at whatever age you are, whatever age you are, you can always have hopes, aspirations, and dreams. My wife and I, you know, we're old. We're not gonna. We're not in our twenties. We can't plan like, oh, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna hike across the world, right? That's not gonna happen. Or you know, we're gonna start this business and help help these people. Well, no, we're retired. We we can't do that anymore. But we can talk about next life. We want to do this right next life we're gonna you know you know we've we talk about what we what we we've done what we think is right and what we think is wrong and what we want to do next life we can it perfectly the spirit world is perfectly happy now you may modify this when you when you go over and to the other side but it's the spirit world is perfectly happy to listen to what your your hopes and aspirations are what you want to do next life and many times they will completely respond to that yeah. So this is where all these things come together. It's, it's just uh, amazing. Okay. Uh, let me carry on. I was, this is Fred talking. I was silent before the unexpected elucidation of a difficulty, which had always perplexed me for I knew my instructor, not expounding his opinions, but actual facts, which were very widely opposed to all the ideas and teachings I have ever heard on earth. And he, I think he was, he was a Protestant religion, but I don't know if he was Methodist or what he was exactly. And yet they are fraught with the most momentous interest to every soul who has to pass the miss. And in the depths of my being, I yearn again to discover some means whereby I could reach earth and make the revelation for the benefit of the blinded and the ignorant. My friend, however, did not leave me long to myself, but called my attention to what was passing in the arena. So before I begin, let me show this other comment. The other comment is by another person. Be be uh, be by yourself and pretend to talk to a person about something personal. That way, if you show up in a person's life review, it appears you're talking directly to them. Neat fourth wall breaking trick. <laughs> yep. Well, I, you know, talking about that. I'll, let me get off kilter for a bit. Um, it won't work because they'll know where the other person is. They have records of everything. But that's a good try. Uh, and as I, I've told the story before that when you're a, a uh, when Chico Xavier, his sister passed over, 
uh, she was a very devout Catholic. She was not a spiritist. And Chico, Chico asked his uh, mother, how's my sister doing? And his mother said, oh, she's wonderful. So they, they took her to a, you know, like a, a, a Catholic colony and she can recover and take her time to feel better and all that. He goes, well, that's wonderful. He goes, but now what happens when spiritists die? And his, and his mother said, well, they're, they're put right to work. So I was thinking is, you know, maybe we should have like a vacation request form. You know, when we pass over, well, can we have a little vacation or something like that? So anyway, just one of my ideas. So, no, I, I think, you know, we should have fun by doing this is, you know, how, how can we game the system? And and because if you really learn about, think about how you can game the system, then you'll learn more about the system. It, it's It's perfect. Okay. So he was in the arena. He was talking to this to the guy, and um, and were were these people were on like these beds and in very bad shape, and they were um, uh, being helped. Right. So now he says every bandage and restriction had been removed, and all the patients lay free from the bonds with which Earth had bound them. The order of procedure had been to take the most serious case first, and so on through the whole that the resuscitation of all might be accomplished as simultaneously as possible. Very earnestly did I watch the gradual absorption of that mysterious specter lake into which they had been carried, the withered limbs and contorted frames expanding and growing as they fed upon that strange nourishment. And that nourishment are people laying hands and, and giving them universal fluid and you know, thinking good thoughts to them until every trace of color had been abstracted from the atmosphere in the vicinity of the couches whereupon they lay. Then rays of magnetism were drawn from appointed individuals according as the Assyrian required, that's the, the main person who is directing all this, to form some combinations especially adapted to each case. These in turn being broken at the moment when the first traces of color seemed to evolve from the sleepers. This, I was informed, afforded the natural indication of the conditions of each soul. By the exercise of that mystic power by which he weaved the unique decorations of that hall, Siamides, that's the, the guy who he says is the Assyrian, now resolved the flowers, fruit, and bannerets around the arena and seats and called them to, ba to bathe the sleepers with the mellowed influences produced by the combinations they had formed. So when he started this hall, there was just different colors and mist and um, all sorts of, you know, kind of just uh, wonderful images all around that he had formed by his mind and maybe other groups formed by their mind. The magnetism evolved from each individual, had a sympathetic attraction. And that's, and, and that's kind of the, when they say magnetism, it's like force of will, uh, affinity for the corresponding color called into service and was drawn in billowy clouds around the couches over which they rolled to and fro in rhythmic time with the music born of the returning motion. Now the color denotes kind of what level they're on and so the, and what level can help them. And so these colors would be attracted to each person. And then when they were feeling a little bit better, the colors and other factors, which they don't talk about, would then would then dictate where they would be sent to recuperate further. Sweet and soothing was the lullaby it chanted, and the silent hush of the attendant 
thousands was a fitting accompaniment to the grateful psalm. Without sign or movement from the director, who calmly watched the scene, the melody concluded, every thirsty soul had drank its fill, and the waves of life which yet remain lifted above our heads, leaving the sleepers beautiful in all the soul's expansion, and waiting for nothing but a waking kiss to rouse them to a life of which as yet they were unconscious. The work was done, the victory accomplished, but the victor betrayed no pride at the conquest in his deep humility. I did not need to be told that the final number of that life-giving chorale was at hand, but what new powers would it develop? Were there still phases of magnetic wonder to be revealed, other mysteries to be displayed? The thought of the miracle wrought and the condition of those sleepers filled me with hope that I had misunderstood the meaning of my instructor respecting the exclusion of mercy from his life. And turning to him, I pointed to the couches and asked, Is it not mercy which had been shown to these in liberating them from their condition of suffering? Now, this is where it gets, this, this dialogue is so good. Not by any means, he replied. And he goes, well, what name do you call it then? Justice. Here there too, they've been victims of the injustice they were powerless to withstand, to withstand, meaning they were in the lower zone. And they have been, they have been, put upon and dominated, everything. not fairly, right? But they were there because they had an affinity with those people. We have only been the instruments of helping to terminate the effects of the wrong and in introducing them into a commensurate compensation. You judge of justice in the light of your earth impressions. Let me advise you to get rid of that idea. Justice rightly dispenses justness. And such you will ever find it with us. It is the quality of being just carried to perfection with every attendant circumstance taken into consideration. Think it, uh, think it as such, and you will love its righteousness into which there is no shade of fickleness, favoritism, or partiality. So let me explain it in my own way, and maybe people listening have a better way. But those people were put down into those lower zones and as they as they said they were unjustly punished but they were there for a reason and they were there because evil evil is used to fight evil to cure evil and they learned some valuable lessons now being just they said okay you're out of that we're going to put you back we're going to make you whole again the wrongness has stopped that is justness to perfection okay you're you're back to whole you know, if they cut your leg off, your leg's back on, right? All that. You're, you're right back. You've, you've, you've been through that, that episode of your life. You've learned hard lessons even after you came from Earth and now you went to the lower zone. And now we're putting right back where you were. That's just because you've, you've paid. You, you've, you've, you've been in that class. You must have paid attention. And now you're out. Then he said, would, would you not call it justice tempered words with mercy? No, he says. That's <laughs> why so I like this guy. No, strict justice needs no tempering. You've been in the habit of thinking of justice as necessary allied to oppression. It is still on earth, but you will not find it here. Therefore, you have to learn that with us, it means strict rightness. And if you add mercy to that on behalf of either party, the adulteration produces injustice, just like he said before. If you're mercy to someone, merciful to someone, what about the person that they, that person offended? So no, it's, it's strict justice. It doesn't need tempering because it's perfect. 
Then he said, I could see the error, that the error had been mine due to a misconception and misinterpretation of the word according to the earth impressions. The shadow which had for a time passed across the firmament of my heaven was dissolved by his explanation, and my heart again was glad. The work was complete. Siamides spread his hands to give his thanks to God, while every knee again was bowed as the joyous flashes winged their flight. Then, reverently dismantling his shoulders of that halo, he spread it on the air to receive thobs of praise and adoration that pealed like a great amen, with which it ascended to the Father. Still, the audience lingered, the silence growing mo moment more profound. But I knew they were waiting for the benediction that would rouse those sleepers to the consciousness of life upon which they had unknowingly entered, to the recognition of the restoration which had taken place to the realization of the fact that death had touched them and that in, in that touch shackles had fallen away, whose weight before time had exhausted their energies in a painful but unsuccessful struggle. What a revelation. It would be a greater surprise than I myself had experienced. What were their surroundings when the tide of consciousness ebbed away and the cloud of, of oblivion fell upon them? What a gulf lay between the sleeping and the waking. How would they realize its certainty? How convinced of its fact? Would not the waking be a dream, a fairy dream, more enchanting than the imagination ever conjured up before? It was a time of supreme suspense to me to watch that advent into the knowledge and realization of immortality, and every sense I possessed was on the alert to follow its development. I, I agree. I mean, like, how are these people going to wake up into this? It was not long delayed. The walls before me opened, and from that arc of light crowning the zenith on the path in which I stood to contemplate the celestial landscape, a flood of glory fell into the hall like a harbinger and forerunner of a more resplendent presence still. I looked, and down the halo viaduct beheld a chariot as of burnished silver, flying, drawn by four steeds of transparent creamy whiteness, gifted with the spe speed of the winds of a hurricane. Now, He's saying this, and the image is there. And this is where thought is action, and the spirit world, and actually us too, but we don't see it as such, is this logical construct where you can create whatever you can imagine. And here he was, and, and so the symbolism, symbol, symbol, symbols have power in the spirit world. And here's the symbolism of a, of a chariot drawn by four steeds, Coming through, right? Time had not opportunity for birth before the equipage was in our midst. Then, pausing for a moment while one of its riders stepped into the hall, it turned and disappeared. The glory road was then withdrawn. The walls were closed, and my attention was riveted upon the stranger. So here's this, this show, right? This, like, here's this guy. Okay, come in there. Here's the guy coming in there. And he says, he was a young man. He just stepped off the chariot. Scarcely more than a youth, graceful and noble. Now, you really don't know how old this person is. The person is as old as they want to appear, or young as they want to appear. The first, first impression conveyed to my mind was a strange combination of the innocence of the child with the wisdom of the sage, which formed a very striking feature in his person. I loved him the instant I beheld him. And that's how a lot of people feel about Jesus. And when they talk about it, they've actually seen Jesus. They just love him. And he's, they say he's this combination of, of power and kingship, but of love and mercy and motherly love. 
It's all that combined. His presence inspired my confidence, forbade the approach of fear, but also whispered a caution against presumptions, presumptuous assumption. In him were blended strength and gentleness like a bed of down on a granite rock, while he emphasized every quality a man would desire to find in a cherished friend. Now, how can you have a blend of strength and gentleness like a bed of down on a granite rock? And he emphasized every quality a man would desire to find in a cherished friend. How do you get there? Do you get there in one life by having really great parents? The, the possibility is practically nil. You get to be this person by multiple lives, by going through what we are going through right now, by taking the hard road, the difficult road, by learning the, the, the lessons that just strike to the bottom of your heart and force you to, to look at yourself and say, ah, I don't like that. This is what this wonderful person that has all these attributes, this is how he got them. It wasn't because he paid somebody in the spirit world a lot of money or he was somebody's son. No, all that's not there in the spirit world. He got that by his own work. I'll carry on. From his eyes, love and patience streamed in a steady, ebless flow. His mouth breathed the fragrance of fidelity and affection. Upon his shoulders rested the mantle of condensation, condensation, and his waist was bound with a girdle of constancy. He was a monarch, but his kingship was of service, and his prowess had been gained in lifting up the fallen. For a brief, brief moment, he paused to receive and return the salutation which greeted him and then proceeded to execute his commission by the bestowal of the kiss, which should break the seal of that final sleep and usher the sleepers into the day which knows no eventide. Over one and then another, he bent his radiant form, loosing the influence of the refreshing spell which still caressed them, and as their eyes opened upon the bewildering scene around, he caught each newborn soul in this strong embrace, lifted it to his feet, and bade it welcome, into a life of sympathy and compensation. The revelation and recognition of the truth were simultaneous. It was simply a glance of inquiring wonder, followed by a smile of inexpressible joy, and all was over. So they brought in this wonderful spirit with these powers and attributes, who knows? And then he would go over each one of which the Siamedes, which is called the Assyrian, had, had, had pre predisposed for them to be woken by this wonderful person. And when he held each one of them, he didn't just like us, it would just be a physical kiss. He imparted something into that soul, into that spirit. He, he imparted probably a little bit of knowledge, some strength, and uh, some joy. And so let me, let me carry on. The revelation and recognition of the truth were simultaneously. It was simply a glance of inquiring wonder. Yeah, I said that. So again, they were just like, oh, and he he, he had them. He gave them that power to, to be happy. With one impulse, the, the audience rose and sang another chorus. This time it was a welcome home answered by a pathetic doxology from thankful hearts. Hmm. The theme of which words and music I've tried in vain to learn, and then that magnetic chorale was complete. 
As the congregation dispersed, the newcomer lingered in the hall in conversation with the Assyrian, and I asked my companion, who is he? Mahanini. I probably pronounced that wrong, but Mahanini, he replied. And that's the end of that chapter. So, And then so the uh, next Tuesday is chapter 7, The Door of Hope Ajar. So I hope you in, enjoyed this. And of course, in the description below, I have a link to this PDF, which is you know, that's what I'm reading to you, and I'm interpreting it via Spiritism. Uh, again, I would say that this is what, if you're interested in Spiritism, I would get this first, download it free from my, from my site, nwspiritism.com. We put that up here. And read the spirits book, but then after that, I would uh, I would recommend you get a good overview of, of the logical of the spirit realm, the physical universe of heaven, the lower zones of Jesus, of what we know of God, which we don't know much, what an, a spirit is, what your attributes are. A spirit's a complex entity. We are a complex entity. Our spirit brain, soul spirit, our our little p physical brain. No. Our physical brain has a lot more capacity in it. And as the planet uh, planet uh, ascends, we'll use more and more of that. We'll be able to uh, communicate by thought, do all sorts of things. but Because that was how we were created, to have that capacity. We were predispositioned to be able to be improved, right? So understand it and as a, what a spirit is and then how you can ascend here in the physical life. I think all those things are, are valuable for those who wish to learn. And if you're just interested, that's good too. Because the, the more you know, the more you won't be surprised when all of a sudden you wake up and like, and you wander around your house and no one talks to you. And then you'll go, oh, I remember. I'm dead. I better, I better open my eyes and say, Please, guardian angel, please help me out of here. I don't want to be, I don't want to be distracted by lower spirits, right? If all of that, if, if all that I can do, that's that's plenty. So anyway, I just want to wish everyone a wonderful rest of the week and God bless.